Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood. Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. Sign this new contract here at Arsenal, but what made you so sure that this was the best place and this was the right decision for you? It's Arsenal, you know. It's, ugh, come on, it's Arsenal. Welcome back to That's It, Title's Over, Give It Up Now, an Arsenal podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend. We're six points clear at the top, but the title's over. We've lost it, lads. That's it's it. It's back in Man City's hands. How's it back, back in Man City's hands? Because Arsenal are six points clear at the top and uh, if they win all their games, they'll win it. But it is back in City's hands, just to be just to be absolutely clear. Just to be sure. And and yeah, Gary yeah, yeah. Neville said that he thinks that City are, are just going to win it. And that's what he's always said. Not that he said they were going to yeah, win yeah. it by 15 points two months ago. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. <laughs> and this is definitely not because there needs to be some kind of narrative for Sky to have a race to the title. Yeah. There definitely doesn't need to be... You know, some kind of big problem about yeah. it. That's not. That's not why they're changing. They're rescheduling dates no, for no, no, no reason. No, 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 no. It's not. A, it's not a financial reason. Rescheduling games. No, no, no. That's not why. It's, it's, it's not so that they can manufacture a sort of run in. Um, you know, the whole idea that Granit Xhaka lost his head isn't some narrative that was spun, and that's what got yeah. them back into the game. No, no, no. no, no you know, no, no. it's nothing to do with that at all. No, no, no. And the thing is, it is that simple, isn't it? Because football can be reduced down to Granit Xhaka. In one moment, leaving his leg down. I think that. I think actually that explains the entire game. Maybe we should just make this analysis what five minutes long and that's say it, that's s- it. Say thank you. Thank you for listening to the different <laughs> podcast. Uh, see you next episode. Please join the Patreon so um, Alex can buy better Wi-Fi. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast. Uh, George isn't being quiet; he's just not here. Uh, he's off saving children's yeah. lives. He's too, so, yeah, um, saving children's lives. Selfish. Some might say. Uh, yeah, he's off saving children's lives being selfish. So uh, he's not coming on the podcast to... Uh, and then everyone just goes, right, that's it. What's well, just these two clowns <laughs> off? <laughs> no this, this is going to be vintage content. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be absolute bullshit for an hour and a half. No insight on this one. 
Um, we'll come back to the sort of sky narrative stuff in a minute because I do think I do think it's worth talking about, and for me, it's a big part of the game. But I want to say um, a fancy thing that I love using to make, make me sound clever is the Overton window, and I'm sure most people know what the Overton window is, but it's the idea, you know, politically, uh, if a politician says something really crazy like i don't know all mexicans are rapists or you know some for example yeah then something that they say that is more moderate uh might be seen as more acceptable even when normally it might be seen as as, as something that's ridiculous um so i think basically this is a, an example the feeling that everyone's having the sort of general it's difficult to tell the, the sort of the temperature of the fan base is but from what i can tell the idea that this is a disappointing point and two points lost in a title race or whatever is just an example of the Overton window shifting and showing how far we've come. Now, that doesn't mean it completely discounts um, things that we should absolutely improve. You know, we've got to this point and as much as you could sit here and say, well, you know, I'll take anything from this season. No, no, no. I want to go on winning this title because I think we can do it. And I think our standards have shifted to that point. But I also do think it's important to remember as we discuss this, we went to, I would say, the hardest stadium in the world, in my opinion, to go to, certainly in European football, um, to get a result. Um, we got points, you know, we got a point. And it, I think if if this game had start off, started off with Liverpool playing really well, they got 2-0 up and we came back and won 2-2, uh, <laughs> came back and drew 2-2, I think this would be a very, very different feeling. So... As much as I'm, I am disappointed because you know, and I can't lie. At the end of that game yesterday, I was really deflated. Um, word of the game is exhausted because I felt as though a lot of the game is kind of summed up by the fact that we came out, we played well, we got up, we got that two 0 We thought, oh my god, we're going to do it, and then we had sixty minutes where the game just slowly came away from us, and that must be psychologically really exhausting when you come out and and you've had that big adrenaline adrenaline rush at the beginning. So yeah, it was exhausting for me, and it must have been exhausting for the players. And I think you could see people like Saka, considering we're only playing once a week, he was dead on his feet at the end. I thought so. Yeah, I felt it was it was exhausting, but yeah, I just wanted to put that as a kind of preface um, on this because, as I say, as much as it's disappointing, and I was I was upset. We have to remember that is a point at Anfield, and that has improved our record. It's not perfect, but it's a it's a big it's a big point for me. Yeah, my word of the game is framing, not for anything that happened in the game, but because of kind of this. Um, I have so many nightmares of Anfield. I, I mean, I, I was nauseous for the whole game. I, I managed to watch most of it, kind of on and off, whilst the, the kind of the first the first half I was I was still in the show. I was, I'm doing at the moment. So I miss kind of spits and spats, but I, I caught all the second half. And um, like, I think what we're, we're forgetting is is perspective. And it's because we were 2-0 up and it looked like we were cruising and we were going to put three or four past them. And then Liverpool turned up for 45 minutes of football, probably for the first time this season. And they're a good side when they do that. They have good players. And I do not find it funny that a team that was three kicks of a football less than 12 months ago from being the most famous team of all time managed to turn up and play like some very good football. But we we have to look at the framing of this in the sense of any, any if we win our next two games, right? Any If you'd have gone to any Arsenal fan after that um, City loss, and gone, you're going to win nine of the next 10 and you're going to draw one and that one is going to be at Anfield, 
in a game that you've had to play Rob Holding because William Saliba's out injured, not a single one of you fuckers wouldn't have taken it. That's true. So true. You, it's so true. And that's the framing that we need to look at this through. No ma- And um, Liverpool have only conceded nine goals before the game yesterday at home this whole season. So currently, Arsenal are over 20% of the goals that Liverpool conceded at home. So Anfield, even though they're in a down year, is still a difficult place to go. Do I think the game there was there to be won? Do I think that there are very specific reasons that we lost it? Yes. Is it very, very disappointing? Yes. But if we win our next two games, we'll have won nine of the last 10 and the only team that would have taken two points off us would have been Liverpool at Anfield. All of us would have taken it. That is not the kind of run that dents your title hopes. The kind of thing that fucks your your, your title races up is the 1-0 losses to Everton come the end of the season. When you, If you lose out on the title by one point and you're looking back and you're going, fuck, we really should have turned up for that game and, and you know, Everton are shit and we should have knocked three past them. Or, or you look at the, the Brentford result and the fact that, you know, lines not being drawn meant we dropped two points. But even then, we shouldn't have allowed that to become the narrative. We should have gone out and proactively won that game. And if we'd done, we'd have done that, whatever. I, I felt sad and dejected about this game for about 15 minutes. And then I kind of remembered that, that last season we got absolutely fucking smashed by them. And then this season in the first 30 minutes, uh, it, we, we took the game away from them. And I'm, I, I, and there's a, there's a, there's a whole chat that we'll have about what the reasons why, but if we have William Saliba in this game, Liverpool do not get a sniff. The game's over. 2-0 up, it's cruising. Arsenal are fantastic away from home. And one of the main reasons that we lost this game was Rob Holding. Not because he did anything bad, but because of certain factors we'll get onto. Uh, we went to Anfield with Rob Holding at right centre-back and we got a point. Mm. Yep. Why are we moaning? All of us, <laughs> all of you were doomsdaying that we were going to lose this game and that yep. we were going to get battered. Like, and even if we had you positivity, know, yeah, yeah, and this is the thing it's like, I, you know, I don't know what your media diet is post games. I try not to listen to any kind of Arsenal media because I don't want to, I want to be able to give my thoughts without kind of going, being getting it, you know, listening to Ask Blog or Arsenal Vision or people online or whatever. I, d- I don't really want to do that because I just want to have my own focus and, 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 often they're way more insightful than the mainstream pundits. So I'm happy to listen to them and see what the sort of mainstream mar- uh, narrative is. And, I think a lot of the reason, ultimately, companies like The Athletic, companies like Sky Sports, companies like BBC, the the best thing for them to have is clicks and engagement. And the most interesting take on this game, or perhaps the most engaging take on this game, is going to be that Arsenal threw it away. Arsenal are really in trouble in the title race now. It makes it much more interesting and ultimately it sells packages. It makes people go on BBC Sport. It makes people read articles, all that sort of stuff. Fan media, I think this is one of the main differences, has less resources in it, et cetera, et cetera. But we we can absolutely be honest about our team because it doesn't matter because either way we're covering just our team. So we don't need to make it interesting in the context of everything else. We're just covering our team, which is one of the reasons I think it's so good. It has its downsides as well in terms of its um, reactivity and and certain things as well. But, you know, I'm listening to the Athletic podcast. I'm listening to Sky and I'm I'm watching the post-match analysis, which is, you know, we won't go there. Dreadful. Woeful. 
there's evidently, and it's not even necessarily in conscious in the mind of the likes of Michael Richards and Dan Bartell on The Athletic or whatever that. I'm not, I'm not blaming the individuals, but they have to, and they are motivated ultimately financially to make this interesting. So it comes out and going, you know, you even look at the, the title of the highlights on Sky and it's Arsenal drop two points in the title race. It's a very interesting framing because I frame it as a fan. Arsenal go to Anfield and for the first time in 10 years, get points. Do you know what I mean? So you can frame it however however you want. Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's the first time in 10 years we've gotten points there. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we're fucking fuming. Yeah. And, and, this, and this is the thing is we have to remember that oh. the people that are bringing us the information have a financial imperative to make this interesting. You see on the graphics, it says race for the title. The race for the title is going to be way less engaging if, it, if it's just like, well, actually, Arsenal were pretty good. They're still in the driver's seat. Absolutely fine. Immediately. Imme- you know, even when the Ramsdale... Um, when that incredible Ramsdale, which we'll get get onto Ramsdale, Ramsdale's performance, and that incredible Ramsdale save at the end when he tips it around the corner from Salah, the first thing that the comms say is, oh, that could be big in the title race. Because it's not about the game. They're not interested in the game. They're interested in selling a narrative. And this is the thing, and I think it's so important to remember as a fan and just take yourself out of it and go, hang on a minute. No, 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 no. We're still in charge. We are six points clear. We have it in our hands. If we win our eight games while City play four more guaranteed and six more potentially, seven more, uh, no, no, six more before the end of the season, but more after that anyway. Um, if we win those games, we win the league. It's in our hands. Yep. And it's, exa- it's exactly as you said. If you'd said 10 games, nine wins, and one draw at Anfield, everyone takes it. So and here's the thing, right? Go on. If you look at, it, if you look at the fixtures and this whole idea that it, you know, it, it, oh, it's, in, it's in City's hands and whatever. If we win our next two games, we go to the Etihad, um, something like, I think it's 12, is it 12 points? No, 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 it's nine points clear. We'd go nine points clear at the Etihad. City would have the games in hand, but then they have an absolute window of death, like like schedule of death where they're playing, like, they'll be playing Brighton away. I can, and... I, I can give it to you if you want. Yeah, so they, do you they've know what got... I mean? Because the Brighton, the Brighton game's been moved, so... Well, the Brighton game hasn't got a date yet. So they've got to play Bayern Munich tomorrow night. Then we both play West Ham and Leicester this weekend. They've got to play Bayern Munich again. Then that weekend, they're in the, the FA Cup semi-final with Sheffield and we play Southampton. Then we play each other. Then we've got, uh, they've got, Fulham and we've got Chelsea they have a midweek game against West Ham then we have a game against Newcastle and Leeds then they would potentially have a semi-final in in middle of that week then we play Brighton and Everton they play Everton then they'd have another semi-final and then we play uh, midweek and then we play Forest and Chelsea and then that'll be the final day that's so much football so much yeah and and all of that whilst chasing you know I, I I yeah, the narratives are bullshit, but yeah. it's just interesting to look at. And it's also to the detriment of, like, logic. How is that Ramsdale save as big in the title race as any other kick of the football that's happened in an Arsenal game this season? Yeah, but, it, but it's a great is, save. Ultimately, I'm not I'm not doing some kind of sky bashing thing. They have to do it. They have to sell package. It's just the way it is. It's just that thing. But I think when we're looking at our takeaways, we have to, to be considerate of that. Let's go on to the game a bit more... Um, What's my word, Brad? Granularly. Granularly. <laughs> Granularly. Granularly. 
I heard someone refer to a micropenis as a macropenis this week, which I'm determined to, to get somewhere on this podcast at some point. A macropenis. Paul Tierney has a macropenis. Um, so, yeah, uh, it comes at the fucking top of his bald, fat head. <laughs> Yeah, my word of the game is exhausting because I, I feel as though okay, let's 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 diagnose what went wrong because we know how well the first sort of I'd say the first sort of five, ten minutes we were working each other out, and then for about half an hour, twenty-five minutes, we looked incredible, unplayable. We were man for man in our press. We were but sort of baiting and switching it down the left, getting it back to Saka. Um Klopp was doing some how do you do fellow kids stuff, trying to invert Trent, and it was not working. Um, and we were absolutely bypassing them. But then things started to head south. There's a number of things that I'm going to put to you, and I think we should systematically have a look through. I think Holding's performance is one of them. I think Erdegaard's performance is one of them. I think the Xhaka moment should be discussed, whether it's a, whether it's true or not. Um, I think Saka tiring is one of them. Uh, and I also think the kind of the intensity of Anfield is is one of those things because ultimately the way I the way I see I have a friend we have a friend Andy who's who used to host the um the Christmas quiz on the different knock who's a massive uh, Arsenal fan uh, Liverpool fan sorry Liverpool we were chatting fan. over we were chatting over the weekend and uh, and he was sort of saying you know what do you as an external eye feel is going on at Liverpool and I suppose I hadn't really thought about it and I said for me what it is is Klopp is kind of Again, I don't. I don't pretend to know Liverpool nearly half as much as I know. Well, I don't know. You know, I just I don't watch them enough, so I can't comment particularly. But from an external eye, I feel like Klopp relies on intensity. He relies on intensity in action. He says at the very beginning of the match, we have to go after them like animals. We have to be animals, and I imagine that's his pre-match message. And that is why I think their record at Anfield generally is so good. They're aggressive. They're intense in their actions. Ultimately, in the second half, they started to beat us off the dribble. They started to be a lot more intense. So before we get to the reasons why, I think when you look at their press and look at how their press is structured, our press is so beautifully done in terms of we're not overcommitting. We're allowing one person to go in, then they then they uh, it gets triggered out to the next uh, next defender along the line of the of the opponent, and then someone else comes in behind them. There's always the block in the passing lane. It's never overcomplicated. Liverpool's is go, go, go at all times. If you watch their front three, they're constantly moving. They're constantly after each other. They're all moving at the same time, which I think can be played through. But when you have that extra one, two, three percent because of the Anfield crowd, I think it starts to work. And that's how it worked through those years, through 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 even. You know, there was that intensity because they, they got there and ultimately I think they've just knackered out their players. I mean, Fabinho looks done and he's 28, you know. Like I just, I literally just feel like he's he's just put so many hours into those legs that his, his ideas aren't working. So there's a kind of intensity to Liverpool's play that ultimately can come out sometimes and it happened. They had an intensity and I think that's what switched the game. Now, the question is what what triggered that intensity? And I suppose the first thing we'll come to is the Xhaka incident. I mean, how... Uh, look, I don't think... I think what Xhaka did was stupid in terms of leaving a leg in. But I think if that's any other player, <laughs> no one talks about it. Yeah, it's it's Xhaka. No but, one's talking about the fact that Trent went up behind him and like smashed, smashed him in the back. Yeah, but... Also, it was stupid. So there's two There's two parts of me. There's, there's parts of me that thinks, ultimately, them going up and scoring a goal, I don't think 
changes it. I think it's all kind of slightly narrative driven and whatever. But then there's also another part of me that says it is just a small opportunity for the crowd to start finding their voice. And as I say, I just think that contributes that one or two percent and that's all Liverpool need. So I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't know how I feel about it. I think that goal galvanised the crowd more than, uh, more than that moment did. Um, and it, it came at a really inopportune time for Arsenal. Um, a mate of mine in, in the show is a, is a Liverpool fan and he put it perfectly after the game that at 2-0 up, the worst time for you to concede is just before half time because the message changes. Klopp goes into that dressing room and it's, come on, lads, let's fucking go after them. All we need is one more and we're back on level terms and then one more to nick it. And then the Arsenal dressing room, it becomes about preserving the lead because there's there's a chink in the armour. And I think that that moment, I, I mean, one, it's a foul on Xhaka in the build-up, so the goal shouldn't really happen anyway. But if we're, if we're just taking kind of everything as rote, um, I think it's the goal that galvanises the players and the crowd and the manager more than the, the moment itself. Uh, that we're talking about with Xhaka. I think it's I think it's silly. I don't think there's any need for it. But I think that it's 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 previous narrative informing informing current opinion because we're not talking about Trent and what he did as a as as a it's not oh you know Trent showing some passion and slamming into the back of Xhaka for some righteous justice is the thing that galvanized the crowd. No, it's Xhaka the villain arc. I think it's it's very much kind of previous opinions because, you know, once you hold an opinion, it takes a lot of time to undo that it's work confirmation bias, and yeah. to stop yeah, having that confirmation bias. So I don't think, uh, and, and this was as a, as a staunch Xhaka hater, uh, I don't think this, this, this Xhaka moment had real, maybe it maybe had a percentage of an effect, but it's the goal. Uh, mainly, and it's the timing of the goal that that galvanised the fans more than anything. Because if if you go two two nil down at home and you get one just before half time, the mood is much more positive, even though you're still a goal down because you think just one more and we're level, and there's still forty five minutes left to play. So I uh, I'm not I don't really give a shit, and I think that moment happens probably five times in a game by lots of different people, and I think if a referee you know learns how to referee a game properly and doesn't let things slide like he's at fucking wet and wild the conversation is very very different um but no i'm i'm very hesitant to put any blame other than a, a, a percentage like a singular percentage on that one granular moment get your word in there thanks mate yeah <laughs> as if i made it up <laughs> yeah cheers mate yeah yeah just added that to the to the uh english dictionary that was making Along with psychological, actually, that was me as well. Um, yeah, the uh, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I, 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 the, the goal is definitely, especially in the, in the place it comes, as you say, is definitely the more interesting part. But I have to say, it's like maybe we're just discussing it because of it's where one of those it comes. things you just don't do. It just why you don't need to do it because it's so it's so unnecessary that. And, 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 you know, when we're looking, when we're look, dealing with the finest margins, it is so unnecessary to leave a leg in. It, there's just no point. And he does do it on purpose. When you watch the incident back, it is a very clearly a, a um, something that, that, that he intends to do. And I just think, don't give them anything. 
Don't give them a sniff. Don't give them a moment to get get the crowd up. And that's something I thought actually overall we did really well. Um, before we go back to sort of diagnosing what went wrong, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on the whole injury thing because I I actually thought that was an Arteta thing to to take the the sting out of the game. I think it's right that at Liverpool they go, you know, you, they get a corner, then they get a shot in, and they get another corner, then they have a bit of passage of play, and then they get a shot away, and eventually they get a goal. At Anfield, it tends to be a sort of like a just a peppering you with opportunities. It doesn't feel like it's just sort of wave after wave of attack as opposed to back and forth. Um, but yeah, just giving them even the slightest moment of hope. But then, of course, if they don't score the goal, we're not even talking about it, are we? So it, it yeah, it's 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 tricky. Um, I did I did quite like that injury thing and I'm almost certain that it was uh, an arteterism to try and uh, to slow the game slow the game down um, yeah what did you make of that because I, I I like it and and look you know ultimately it's not up to the the players and the manager to sort out the the, the refereeing and to to deal with how mm-hmm. that should be managed and how much at a time should be on yep. if it's if it's you know if they're going to start adding on teams have used it against us exactly. I, like, this is the thing yeah. would I prefer to not see it in football yes yes yeah um would I just prefer the refereeing officiating standards to be better? Yes. Um, Are you going to ask yourself another but question? It, at so the yes. end of the day, if, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, if teams like Bournemouth and Everton and God knows who else are going to use it against I mean, us to try Nick and steal Pope points, was taking Newcastle. hours. Oh, hours and hours. If 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 teams are going to do it against us until they clamp down on it. Only in certain places where we need to, like an Anfield, maybe I'd I'd do the same at the Etihad. I'd, I'd try and, you know, definitely waste some time there. Um, I, I'm fine with it. I I don't want to see my team having. I don't want to see my team giving given an advantage yeah. by gaming the system. Yeah. But if the system's there to be gamed and everyone else is doing it, and you're the one kid sat at the back trying to be like, no, I'm doing things. Thing. Yeah. Sometimes, like people, sometimes you don't you don't always get what you want or get things by being the good person, by being, by doing everything by the book, by doing everything as rote, by doing everything in the step-by-step manual order of things. And so sometimes if people are going to use shit against you, you get right down in the mud and you use it, you use it against them. You know, it's, it just kind of is what it is. Liverpool have done it fucking loads this season. They were doing it at the Emirates. So they have no right to complain about us doing it at Anfield. No, for sure. For sure, and I don't, uh, you have to look up. You can't look at the individuals doing it. You have to go look. You know, this is this yep. is a, a systemic thing. And if you want to change the system, every that's team fine. is doing it. You know, as as you say, I'd, I'd rather not see it in the game. Oh, you know, it's sort of it's now it's, come time. Um, just to getting into Alex horrendously for his lack of internet connection. <laughs> I'm back. Please, 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 please sign up to Patreon.com/slash/knob <laughs> so Alex can get a Wi-Fi router that wasn't made in the 1960s. Please, I beg of you. <laughs> That's the only I reason. Like one of those not, fucking like not, gift aid adverts. Not for the extra content, just to please get me some <laughs> for good... Two pounds, for three pounds a month, yeah. you might be able to finally put us out of our fucking misery and we don't have to wait five minutes every recording session for this twat's fucking Wi-Fi to refresh. <laughs> Let's get on to Rob Holding. <sighs> Um, you were we were chatting off air, and you seem to have some uh, some opinions about it. Yeah, I, I'm much like you in that I don't. I tend to wait until we've recorded before I consume the majority of my Arsenal-based media. Um, but a video um, popped along my TikTok. I think it was today or yesterday. 
basically talking about one of the one of the big reasons that we we dropped points yesterday is Rob Holding. Now, this isn't because um, Rob Holding did anything particularly bad. This is just because Rob Holding plays the way that Rob Holding plays, right? And there were quite a few moments where we would do some amazing pressing and get Liverpool to send it long. And if we had Saliba in the position rather than holding, after that moment, we, we collect the ball, we recycle, we're back in possession and we can keep up pressure. But holding twats it upfield or into Rosette because like that's unfortunately the kind of Brexit ball he does play at times. Um and again, there, 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 were, there, were, there were moments where Party would win the ball or Xhaka would win the ball, lay it off to holding. And instead of recycling it out to White or into Party or across to Gabriel, he plays it, he just boots the ball back to Liverpool. And that is one of the major things that really allowed them, especially in the second half, to sustain so much pressure on us. Because we had one of our centre halves, instead of being confident on the ball, because he isn't confident on the ball, and we know this, um, to, to even pick those kind of five to 10 yard short passes under pressure, he was just giving the ball back. And I think that really, really, it lost us ground. It it really kept undoing the great work people like Jesus were doing, like managing to make them have to boot it long. Um, and it's a real shame because if I do think if we had Saliba, the game plays, and it says it on this, on this TikTok, I'll see if I can find it and send it to you because it, it's, it's good. Um, it plays out much more like Spurs away rather than this game. Because once you lose the ability, if that right-hand pocket of your centre-backs is refusing to recycle the ball to the three options given and it is immediately sending it back, 50% of the time that one of your, that they're picking it up, you're losing the ball again instantly. So you, you can't, you can't like that's such a lot of the ball that you would be having that the Arsenal just were vacating willingly and consistently. And I think also something that hasn't been touched on with Rob Holding is we have a brilliant dynamic with Gabriel and Saliba and I'm using my hands on a fucking audio platform. Great, Bradley. But when one goes forward and is aggressive, the other one sweeps and drops back and vice versa. And they're both quite adept at doing so. Rob Holding doesn't have that symmetry or that synergy or that ability to be aggressive and not reckless, but then also be the calmness sweeping in behind. Uh, and I think that that was shown in, in a lot of moments where even leading up to the first goal, Rob Holding is not tight enough to Cody Gakpo and steps off of him and gives him a lot of time and space and Gakpo's able to turn and pick a pass and it leads to the passage of play that, that we concede from. And if, Hol if Holding is doing what Saliba would have done in that moment and getting touch tight, not giving him a second to breathe, that moment plays out very, very differently. Um, and again, this isn't a Rob Holding bashing session. We know what the guy is and he's a perfectly capable fifth choice centre-back. But the fact that we're playing him at Anfield just means that it definitely had an effect on that side of a game. And then the first phase and, and the second phase of build-up, just it wasn't the same. You know, it isn't the same because you're having to protect a liability. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't as I said, uh, I think to, to your fair, I wouldn't say it's the main issue, but I think it was one of the issues that that, that caused, us, caused us problems. And I think, yeah, as you say, I don't have much more to add. We know what holding is. And I think we are missing Saliba's quality on the ball. I think in 
90% of games in the Premier League, we'd get away with it. But, you know, when we're dealing with such fine margins, if you do have someone knocking it, you know, expected wax into not <laughs> Rose Ed is uh, slightly higher than a uh, Saliba, then it just, it happens. And obviously he has the clumsy moment for the penalty, um, which t- just to speak about it now, we're talking about it. I think it's, ki- it's kind of lucky on all sides. I feel they're very lucky to get that penalty. It's it's clumsy, but it's so soft. And then we are lucky that that Salah puts it wide. So I, you know, I think it's kind of fair all round. Um, let's get to let's get some individual performances. Ramsdale, player of the match, oh. was uh, yeah extraordinary. And I, I think something I said in this reaction um, was this is a very very important day for Ramsdale because I, I think especially with players who play in sort of the back five or maybe even the back seven or eight players. I think there's a, it's quite difficult to have significant moments that change people's perception about you uh, in the sort of wider consciousness. And I think Ramsdale having some huge saves in a game like this, at a time slot like this, you know, primetime TV for football, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, as I say, in a game like this is very important for him um, because it, as much as we don't want to admit it, I think goalkeepers do are affected by all, you know, sort of similar to centre backs, kind of aura and narrative and, and perception. Some sometimes people just wouldn't even try and dribble around Van Dyke because they were like, "Well, I'm just not, I'm just not going to do it. It's just not going to happen." Even if he was vulnerable, because the sense was that he was just untouchable for for that period uh, that he was. Uh, <coughs> um, and I think for some, you know, when you see it with certain goalkeepers as well. You yeah, watch yeah, it happen. Some people will just, some players will literally just go, fuck it, Kepa's in net. Yeah, I'm going to twat go for it. it from 45 yards. Yeah, it does, it does matter. And I think, you know, him, his star growing, whether it's with England or whatever, you know, when you're one-on-one with Alisson, you just know in the back of your mind, this guy's the best one-on-one in the world. And if you know Ramsdale is, is, is good, you know, and it's a kind of common knowledge that Ramsdale's not some, you know, pick up from a relegated club who's doing all right. It's actually, no, no, he's established himself as as a top keeper at, at the age of 24. I think games like that are are very important. I thought actually thought his dis- distribution was really, really good yesterday. He was getting up really accurately to Jesus, out to the wings as well. Um, thought his decision making was right. I liked how at 2-1, he was, or he was getting the ball up. He was saying, go, go, go. He, he wasn't resting on his laurels. Um, you know, I think, perhaps sometimes you can hold on to it a little bit but I, I i like it generally as a as a as an idea um but yeah what did you make of his performance and and yeah i i love him as well i just think i just think he's great yeah um i think you hit the nail bang on the head that it's the perfect time for that performance to kind of start to change the perception around him um vital i mean those two big moments, the save from Kanate and the same from Sa- the save from Salah, you know, stop us from it, you know, help us pick up a point rather than, you know, lose all three. So uh, I don't think, and, I, and there's been many saves this season that have kept Arsenal in the momentum. Big one against Bournemouth. Um, big one against, Villa. Oh God, who was it? Yeah. It's Villa, big one against, there was a big one against Everton, I think like, like, there's there's lots of big moments I can think of and and pick to this season that come the end of the season we'll go. Those are moments that that got us points, you know. And um, listen, I think he needs to achieve something in terms of winning Premier Leagues, maybe winning a Champions League. But I'm already quite confident in saying I think he's probably the best goalkeeper we've had 
since Jens Lehmann, David Seaman, like in overall, yeah. in a good twenty-year period. Yeah. Oh, especially, and that's even just denying the ball at his feet. You know, the fact that he's much better with the ball at his feet than than Lehmann and Seaman ever were, because that wasn't the game. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's and and the fact that he's twenty-four and not far off being. Arsenal's best goalkeeper, in my opinion, from the modern decade, from not even from the modern decade, from the modern two decades, you know, for the two, for the whole of the post two thousand era, you're talking about Lehman, Seaman, and and Ramsdale in that conversation. I think you know you can give shout outs to certain people, but um, it's it's a, it's a real testament to the boy's mentality because he has been relegated twice, and as somebody who in my own life through com- through completely different circumstances has va- has faced a very white middle class version of kind of difficulties and and it you know you introspectively look at yourself and you go oh am i good enough for this or oh can i actually achieve this the strength and resilience and and mentality to have that happen to you twice consecutively to then be picked up by a club and have most of the fan base talk shit about you. Why are we signing this guy? Um, to have that ideal perpetuated in the media and then to become this absolute, you know, phoenix risen from those ashes is probably one of the best stories in football for me. If, if Aaron Ramsdale goes on to be Arsenal's keeper for the rest of his career, say for the next 10 years and wins a couple of Premier Leagues and a Champions League, he will go, that will go down as one of the best stories of all time. A guy that was relegated twice in successive seasons and was the guy between the sticks for one of the most dominant Arsenal periods in history. Like, and to have the strength of mind to do that is truly baffling. Like, he is an incredible character and that will rub off on every single person in the dressing room. Yeah. And that media scrutiny, Brad, who did it come from? Who There were there were sections of the, of the fan base? Were me, there? mate. Me. Oh, right, it was you. Fucking me. <laughs> you? No, you yeah. weren't exactly formal. I wasn't convinced. No one was. I wasn't Fucking convinced. Ever, no. No, no one convinced. was. I think by I, that like, point I was on the Arteta like, train, oh. so I was kind of like, well, I'll see what Arteta thinks. But yeah, it wasn't, it was nothing to do with yeah. him, so... Um, yeah, no, no, like, and that's the thing. 100%. Um, want to talk about a couple of more individual performances. I thought Gabriel and Partey were terrific yesterday. I think just Partey, it's just like he- Gabriel's been the best center back in the league this season. Yep, I'm sorry, bang he on. just has been. Bang on, There's, that's it's not a conversation anymore. Yep, and I, I again, I, I'll say it, it's because Gabriel is such a good defender, you don't get points for you, it's it doesn't come up on highlight reels, and people don't go, Oh my god, did you see that Gabriel? Space defending yesterday, it just it doesn't happen. <laughs> but he defends space, so he literally. What other, locks... what other player has been put one on one on Saka uh, on Salah, sorry, and kept him locked down for like ninety five percent of the game? Yeah, no. Uh, with Rob Holding next to him, yeah, yeah, no, and he's... with Zinchenko, who's a midfielder, yeah, like he literally locked... the amount of space that that boy had to defend. He locks, oh god, he it locks down the physically left. sick. Completely locks down the left. It's incredible. Partey just doesn't lose jewels. Jesus um, was. <laughs> Oh, funny. Jesus is Arsenal's best player. <laughs> the no look. He's unreal. The no look at Anfield was, I'm just like, this guy loves the game and and he's just so good at it. He's so, and I love it. I, I never want the that to go out of the game. Well, some, unreal. Some people are like, oh, you know what? Yeah. Well, yeah. Shit defending, but, but it, you know, good. 
you know, ultimately great separation from him, but good good separation and good movement because he does he does fool him slightly. Um, but yeah, I think some people go, oh, you know, why are you doing tricky flick skills at Anfield or whatever? But I'm just like, no, I, I never want that to leave the game. I love it moments like that, just little no. whoop. That's why we're Arsenal fans, yep. like Vengable, because we love that shit. So good, so good. And I thought Martinelli as well. Give me somebody shout. doing like fucking rainbow flicks or stupid little turns and then fucking netting it. Oh my God, absolutely. Yeah. Great Don't stuff. even talk to me. Great Give stuff. me Andre Arshavin doing like naughty little spins again. <laughs> um, yeah, and I also thought Martinelli deserves a shout. I thought it was great. Um, oh my God. Odegaard and Saka didn't have their best days is probably the only other individuals I'd highlight. Um, I thought Erdegaard, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately he was pretty good in that first sort of period. Um, and then the, as the game went away from us, that's just not who he is. Like he's he's not the sort of player who's going to go and grab a game by the scruff, scruff of the neck and wrestle it back from you um, physically. It's just not who he is. He's, he's so good in, in control of the ball. He's so good in control of the game. But once you lose control of the game... I wonder whether there's a, di- you know, I was, I was uh, thinking about at some point I was like, you know, if, if we could take Xhaka off and put someone else on, especially when he had, had a yellow, if we had someone else who had a bit more steel in the midfield, someone who's a bit more aggressive, someone a, a bit more sort of second ball-y getting it forward on that, on that side. Nice. Yeah. Caicedo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, if so- we had either of those guys, I think it shows why we're looking at that profile because yeah. As good as Odegaard is, when these kind of moments happen and he does flit into ghost mode, not because that's anything to do with him other than the fact that it's just not his game like, like and this is it's the thing it's like yeah you can't it's it's again it's judging a fish for trying to climb a tree it's not his game yep. could he have been more adventurous when we had the ball yes uh were, were we being bullied and allowed to be bullied physically by the referee yeah like i i don't think we can really ask people to to do what they aren't you know, being employed to do. Saka, I think, is knackered. I mean, how many minutes has he played this season? Well... Boy hasn't even had a rest. I, 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 I think he was at the end of yesterday, but I'm also like, and maybe it's just an accumulation at this point, I don't know, but we're only playing once a week. So, you know, just give... Yeah, but that's a fresh thing. That's only once a week for the last... The load in his legs doesn't go away. And he put... And that twat Southgate played him full 90 for both of the England games in dead rubber games what are you doing because he's, he's our second best player so um yeah no I I hear you I hear you I I, I yeah I, I think it's probably I think it's probably fatigue for Saka but then I, I hope that that can be managed at least over the next sort of eight games um final thing just to return to Sky very quickly you probably you might have missed this. Firstly, did you miss the moment where loud and clearly over the sky cameras, we heard someone say, get on with it, you little fucking knobheads. Did you hear that? Yes. Yep. So yes. funny. Yes. Uh, Loved it. And Martin Tyler's going, I'm sorry if you uh, heard anything um, uh, offensive. Uh. And then the second one was the winger thing in the documentary, because this is from the goal, um, if you go and watch, there's a clip of Arteta somewhere coaching for Wales, and it's not in the documentary. This is literally, it was it was like misinformation in real time. Jamie Carragher mentions on comms that there's something in the documentary about the way Arteta likes his wingers to play. 
It's not not in the documentary. It's when he's coaching for Wales, he's talking about receiving on an angle and maximum uh, maximum and minimal width. That's what Saka does with Robertson. He allows Robertson to to step out to him, and as soon as Robertson's committed, he comes inside, gets the ball, and whatever. And they talk about that, and that's great to highlight because that's probably the most tactical insight we had on Sky for the whole day. Um, but uh, but he talks about it, and then Michael. And it's a point that's been made about fifteen times on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Jamie Carragher's seen it and but stolen he, it. But this is the thing: is it's, it's fine. You know, Carragher, Carragher's probably probably seen the clip on Twitter. Probably thinks it's from the documentary. I don't know how, but he thinks it's not a documentary, or whatever. And then Michael Richards is going, and yeah, Arsenal. You know, they um, you know, like in the documentary, it's the way Arteta uses his wingers, and you know, it's just that sort. And you're like, no. And then I know that's going to be parroted from now on. It's going to be about how. You know, in the documentary, we see Arteta talking about his wingers and that's how, how he wants them to play. How, what do you mean by that? Do you mean, to defi- describe to me what how he's do, trying how, to say how to How does he want them to play? Yeah, not yeah. just what he wants Micah, them to do. how does he want them how? to play? <laughs> Christ. Um, right, we'll see you. After this. News and games. Back to news and views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Thank, thank you to those of you who are in the different knock members club. Join at patreon.com forward slash knock and get access to ad free versions of all our content, including main and bonus podcasts, instant reactions, the rewatch, and bonus video cons for just three pounds a month. And one time support, head to buymeacoffee.com where you can buy me a coffee, and hopefully that'll pay for some better Wi Fi. The links are in the show description. What would Keris think, Alex? Yeah. I had this Welsh singing teacher at a drama school where me and Brad went to, who was called Keris. And when I was when I was singing poorly, she'd do this. No, 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 Alex! And then she'd lean forward, stare me right in the eyes and go, you've forgotten everything. (laughs) (laughs) You see, completely different, like completely different vibe of singing teachers. I had a singing teacher called Rob Hickmore, who I actually need to go back to because he's a fucking legend. But I would do something shit and he'd just stop playing the piano, but probably just say something like, "Um, we didn't quite get that. Let's let's try that again. I was terrified. I was terrified of Karis. Absolutely terrified. She was proper old school. To be fair, she's she was great. But yeah, <laughs> you've forgotten everything. Everything. Everything, Alex. It's all gone wrong. Uh, right. We have had a question. Oh no! Tell you what we'll do first. We should talk about the Robertson and linesman incident. Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah. That was wild. What was your take on that? Um. Because there's a part, there's a part of me that's like, hang on, I'm not, I'm not excusing what he's done. If he, if, if he elbows him in the face, like you can't do that, and you need to be suspended. However, players give absolute dogs abuse week after week to linos and referees. Like call them apps. You see them, they're like you're a fucking little shit, mate, and then they just move on. I'm not. It's not right, but I'm also like he was. Provoked. He's not elbowed him. He also, like, if you watch it in slow motion, it looks a lot worse than it is. What it looks like and what it is, is Andy Robertson has gone up behind a linesman and grabbed him. The linesman has thrown him off and happened to connect with, like, underneath his chin. That's that's what's happened. Do not grab a man from behind. 
if you do not expect some sort of reaction of them pulling themselves away from you or shrugging you off. Just like, it's the most basic human instinct that if somebody's coming up behind you, probably screaming abuse and then grabs you, your human instinct is to just going to be to pull your arm away. And what's that going to do? It's going to raise your elbow in that scenario. Uh, Andy Robertson got everything he deserved and if not probably deserved it to connect a bit more because th this isn't the game. Like we shouldn't just be going up and grabbing officials. Listen, I think officials do a shit job in this country. Do they deserve the amount of abuse that they get? No. Do they deserve like the physic do they deserve to be you know be physically grabbed by members of the playing staff absolutely not i i mean it's unfortunate that the events have played out in the way that they have but the only person that there is to blame in that scenario is andy robertson for instigating an incident it's it's then just purely accidental after that for me um and i think that's you know probably the first time i've ever fucking agreed po po even possibly with Roy Keane on anything <laughs> in my life. But I yeah. just, I don't understand. I don't understand how we can have this cognitive dis dissonance where we can watch linos and watch referees get abused by people. And literally in the last, f in the last month alone, we've had Bruno Fernandes push a referee. We've had Mitrovic bump into a referee and get threatening in one's face. And now Robertson's come up behind one and grabbed one. If you're a lino, you know, or or a ref or anyone, you knows that those things are coming, like are, are happening in the game. So you're going to automatically have a perception of that moment before it happens. You don't know what this person's going to do. You don't even know who it is. All you can hear is somebody screaming behind you and then physically grabbing you. You don't know what they're planning to do. Mm. Yeah, I think I think there's two two things to to say. I'm watching it now. It looks like Robertson grabs his arm and he basically sh like shoves him off his arm. And if you imagine it now, listen in your head, someone grabs your arm. You don't want to grab your arm. You'd immediately shove them off. And I think he just reacts with it. It's like an instinctive reaction to as, as Brad outlined with his arm. I don't think it's a case of Robertson's talking to him and he just elbows him in the face for no reason because Robertson touches his arm. But on the on the cameras. You have to look really closely to see that he does, Robertson does actually grab his arm. So it, is, it feels like an instinctive response. And it hits him in the face, which is unfortunate. And I don't think the referee, I imagine he didn't consciously think anything. I imagine he just thought, get off my arm, mate. And the second thing is, yeah, I, like you can't hit people in the face. So he might need to go and be suspended or whatever. But also, no, he might need to apologise. Also, yeah, he might need to apologise. It's an accident. But, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, whether it is or isn't, he hits him in the face. It's you know, but also, I, I think this idea that players are untouchable because they're earning millions and millions of pounds, and referees are, are just, uh, expendable scum, like who just you know can only can, you can abuse them for ninety minutes, and the moment you you, you literally grab onto them to to get them to talk to you, because basically, if it looks like Robertson walks over to try and talk to him. He doesn't want to talk to him. He walks past him. He touches his, he grabs his arm to hold him and stop him uh, walking away. And then he, and then the, the, the line, the line reacts. I don't think you can spend 90 minutes or 45 minutes as he's done, uh, as it happens at half time, abusing a linesman saying you're this, you're that and the other, and then expect them to want to have a chat with you at half time. <laughs> it's a really bizarre thing. And look, I, 
If the referee gets suspended, Robertson needs to be suspended. Yeah, and he's I, the one that instigates the physical altercation. Yeah, you can't. We can't. This is what I mean by like it's an unfortunate that it's unfortunate that the situation has arisen, but Robertson instigated, and then an accidental collision happened post. If we're going to punish the referee, we need to punish Robertson because the referee isn't the person that started that altercation. The referee hasn't created that moment in time. Mm. Robertson has. I want. And, I, and I, honestly, I'm I like speaking honestly. I'd be saying this if it was an Arsenal, an Arsenal player. If you create that moment and then an accidental re, like a reaction happens in which there is it's it's not he's not elbowed him in the face. Like he's just just in the chip. don't be an idiot. <laughs> he's least. not on. Oh, I'm just going to fucking clock the. Cunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's like. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I, yeah, I, I think like for example, if we could hear like in like in rugby, I wonder whether if we could hear what the referee was saying, which I think isn't a bad shout, and the players knew that. I wonder what they'd be saying because I think there might yeah. be even if we just had that choice, even if you know, for example, from next season they said right, you know, in certain situations we are going to be able to hear what the assistants and the referees are saying to each other, and that you know the sky cameras will be able to pick that up, and we'll you know when there's a contentious VAR decision, we'll be able to hear what Stock- what Stockley Park is saying. I can never hear, I can never say Stockley Park without hearing it. In Jamie Carragher's voice, Stockley Park. Um, we'll be able to hear what Stockley Park is saying. We'll be able to hear what the fourth official is saying to each other in contentious decisions. Even just that means that we can go to Linos and hear what they're saying. And I wonder whether we, the players will be very different in terms of how they approach the, the, the game. Look, I think it's a natural instinct to want to appeal. It's a natural instinct to want to go, Hey, hang on a minute. No, that's the wrong decision. And I get that. And I, I don't think football will ever get to a place, and I'm not even sure I want it to get to a place where it's rugby, where it's yes sir, no sir, three bags, full sir, and we're all, you know, saying, and the referee yeah. says jump and everyone else says how high. I'm not sure that's, I'm not sure that's the best for the sport because it does it take the competitive out and to competitiveness out of it. Maybe, I, I don't know. Anyway, but I do think a little bit more respect for the refs, a little bit more respect for the linesman, just from a, just from a language perspective, just from a phys- physicality perspective, because ultimately... It's a boundary. It's about ba- yeah. It's, you it's, don't it's go a up boundary. to random people on the street and grab them like they're. Look, listen, fair enough. If you give abuse, if you're allowed to say to someone, "You're this effing this," you're effing that. At some point, that is going to bleed over into phys- physicality. It's you know if you if you can yeah, say that's why it's going to happen. Yeah, that's why you got to punish. That's that genuinely. I think. That's why this situation has to be dealt with. That's why the Mitrovic situation had to be dealt with. That's why the Bruno Fernandes situation, which wasn't dealt with, has to be dealt with. Because as much as I don't, I I think that referees don't do a good job. No, you don't, like, I don't turn up for work and somebody isn't just allowed to, like, physically grab me to stop me moving. Like no one turns up to their fucking office job and Ketten at the water cooler is is really, really pissed off with your spreadsheets. So he grabs you while you're trying to walk back to your desk. Like people get sacked for that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's got to be boundaries. Like it, it's a real serious boundary to cross. Um, and whilst I think that this situation is a is a is a non plus because, you know, Robertson gets a bit of get gets chinned a bit for his troubles and the referee gets grabbed. So you kind of think, all right, it's a bit six or one and a half a dozen of the other. So you leave it in future immediate red card, grab a referee, grab a linesman mm. physically like in that way, it, immediate red card. It, the, it does read to me a little bit like entitlement 
Like, how dare you walk away yeah. from me? Do you yeah. know who I am? Kind of thing. It's yeah. like, no, no, I'm just going to walk away from you because I don't want to talk to you. If you're grabbing, hang on, you know, hang on, mate, come back. It's a bit entitled to me. Like, if you watch that play out in a situation at a club, being like, no, no, mate, you're going to come back in. You are going to talk to me. It's like, no, I'm not, mate. <laughs> like, I can do what I want. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Look, we'll see what happens with that. Um, we've had a question in from, uh, 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 uh what was their name? N. <laughs> Thinking a lot about the subs and how useful it might have been to bring on another outlet to try and relieve some pressure. We have that in Eddie, but would you entertain the idea of a different, maybe bigger presence to have in the squad? Now, I've spoken about this before. We spoke about this on the bonus podcast, which you can listen to at patreon.com uh, with George this week. I think there's space. Yeah. I think there's space in the squad for something bigger. I wonder whether that comes from the wide forward. I wonder whether that comes from the centre forward. You know, I'm not suggesting we go out and sign off some men and play them every minute of every game. But I just think at the end of that match is the squad space where Nketiah is now. If we had uh, Charles de la Ketelaire or if we had a Rasmus Hoyland or if we had a Evan Ferguson. Evan Ferguson. If we had someone who's an up-and-coming striker who can come on and do yeah. that kind of thing, I just I wonder whether we'd have had more of an outlet, we'd have a different game plan. Ramsdale has a bit of a target. And it just felt as though Trossard, as brilliant as he is, he's not a post-up knock it round the corner centre forward. He's a defeat, he's a drifting out wide, he's a he's not a physical specimen in that way. So I just I feel as though someone to give Van Dyke and Canate some problems, who is their size, mm-hmm. might have been useful. I totally agree. There's there's always space for added weapons into the kind of arsenal to to make a really shitty pun. Um, like you 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 that, that that's only something to gain. I don't think there's anything lost by that. And I think that even we could we could do that even without losing in Ketia. You know. Yeah. I, I I think that there's definitely space within the squad um, for for a couple of additions yep. this summer. One of which being. A forward, so um, I, I wouldn't see why not. Yep. I mean, it's probably probably it just makes sense. It's something we don't have for sure. For sure, we've had another question from Caleb. Uh, I'm C Freeland, who says, uh, and I know we cover this, but I want to cover a different angle of it. Why the hell is everyone talking like the title race is over? We're still up six points. No guarantee City win their game win their games in hand. Uh, yeah, I agree, and we've we've spoken about that. But I, I wanted to come to another aspect of it, I suppose, which is. How much of that do you think is down to the fact that we've not been through this before? You know, we, we there's no, there is absolutely no data on the fact that Arsenal can come through a situation like this and and see it through. So, you know, it is ultimately coming down to but the there fact is that data this is, on it. The, there's data on it last season, and the data is not positive in the <laughs> okay, way that yeah, maybe, yeah. the way that we're <laughs> the, because we've taken such a monumental jump, right? People are looking at this situation we're currently in and drawing comparisons with the situation that we were in last season, where we were however many points clear with however many games in hand in fourth and we dropped out and we came fifth, right? People are looking at those two situations and and making comparisons with the two. But that's just because not enough time has spun yet. We haven't we haven't had enough time to kind of adjust to this new normal to get, past? get used to how good we are. <laughs> past yes um, that's the fucking word um, and yeah Sorry, I think it's entirely down here, to, to situ yeah just BLB fucking, just spinning some time just spinning some time 
Yeah, it's entirely down to the fact that we've, we've ne- one, we've never been in a title race before and two, the last race that we were in was a top four one last season and we fucked it up through a couple of reasons, but we still fucked it up. Um, and when something burns as brightly in the memory as that, um, you know, it's going to have an overhanging effect on certain members of a fan base because we have to remember like a fan base is a, this fan base is a big old collective of brains some of which have, have kind of probably always seen where Arsenal are as a bit of a false dawn rather than actually the rightful position that we should be in. I mean, the the year that Liverpool won the league, Man City lost nine games. Yeah. They didn't have to contend the year that they won the league with what Arsenal are having to contend with now, you know, other than the seasons when they lost it. So we also have data for Man City winning every single one of their last 10 games. Like that has happened. So I think we look at that version of the past and we look at our version of the past and we go, okay, it looks good for them, looks shit for us. And we're the youngest squad in the league. Fuck. But if you look at the fixture list and the congestion and the fact that they've still got to go to Brighton away, they've still got to play us, they've still got to play uh, Everton, who are going to, they're not. I mean, they're not safe. They've still got to play Brentford, who are probably going to be pushing for Europe. Um, They're still going to be playing Chelsea, who, lest people forget, if Chelsea do not get some form of European football this season and the financial injection from that, there is real, real chances of an FFP breach and a transfer ban, which would fuck that club. Um, They've got to play West Ham, who are not safe. They've got to play Wolves, who aren't safe. Did you say Leicester? Leicester next yeah. weekend, yeah. who might have, might, yeah, no, no, I didn't, but Leicester next weekend, who might have Rafa Benitez and the absolute fucking deep block of doom. They've got to go away to Brentford and Brighton. against them that he loves. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. we, I, we, we have some, we've got to go St. James's Park, tough game. We've got to go to the Etihad, tough game. They've got some tough games yeah. and they've also got to do it whilst balancing playing, you know, the champions of Germany who won the Champions League two years ago. Yeah, like the if they if they if they win every single game from from now to the end of the season and we don't, fair enough, because that's an incredible achievement. Like, you know, that and, and, and that's, that's who they mad. are. And we'll but we'll be back the season after, you know. I think as I say, the, the the shift happens and everyone goes, Oh my god, we want to win this this is our only chance. No, 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 no. If you I actually looked at it the other the other week, historically, if you look at what happens when people win a title or come second, they're normally there or thereabouts the season after if they retain the manager and if they retain the same the same setup. Actually, I, I looked at it for a video. Um, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it comes from ultimately people don't want to change their priors because it's gonna it's embarrassing to say Arsenal is shit, Arsenal rubbish, Mikel's terrible. Six months later, we're in a title race, <laughs> you know. So, like, I think it's embarrassing for a lot of people to accept that and to be like, oh, actually, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I was wrong. You yeah, know, that, and that's hard to do. Um, yeah, no, I, I. I also, I remember this happening with Liverpool. I remember this happening with with Liverpool when when Klopp came in and he was starting to make them look like title challengers. And when they came second in the year before they won it, whenever it was, people were saying, "Ah, oh, they're bottle jobs. They're this. They're that. They're they're, they're never going to do it until they did it." And then people go, "Well, oh, they're title challengers." You know, ultimately, it's just it's just takes a shift. The and- biggest problem with Liverpool is just they've never done it again. You know, well, and that's but, what, but more but more that's what cements people in the memory. But yeah, but more the point that they they ended up 
they did it. And then the season after, there's no doubts of whether they can do it or can't do it. Ultimately, you have to go out and do it yeah. before people, that doubt goes away. So, you know, it just it's something we're just going to have to deal with. Um, it's coming to that sort of period of the season where transfer stuff is starting to happen. Uh, we had some news today about Balogun. The Balogun wants to be first choice um, and is has no intention okay. of signing a new deal. If he's not going to be, I think if that's the case, then he, he goes. He's sold. Sell him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Lacazette scored the, nearly the same amount of goals as him in the French league. There's no guarantee that what he's done out in France is going to translate to England or anywhere. And if you've got big clubs interested to the tune of thirty to forty million pounds, you move him on. Like it's uh, like Arsenal in a, ver- a very luxury situation now when it comes to these things. We're not we're no longer trying to shift dead wood. This is a a top prospect who's had a great season out on loan, but there's no gar- there's not enough of a guarantee that he would deliver the same levels if he came in and was first choice for us. So he's not better than Gabriel Jesus. Is he better than Eddie Nketiah? Probably, but he doesn't want Eddie Nketiah's role. So he is unfortunately between our first and what would then be our third choice striker, which makes him second choice. If he doesn't want that, move him on. Move him on. Moving on up. Move and flow out. Moving on up. Balogun's a goner. Right. Brad, we have just... Uh, have we? Mm, ooh. Ooh. If we're quick, I think we can get it in. Yeah. Okay. I th- uh, mm. Okay, give me one second. Yeah, no, no, we've got time. We've got time for a little bit. Of Arsenal trivia. The theme last week was record transfer signings for Arsenal, and you haven't got George to help you out. I would like to oh, know fuck. Arsenal's top five record signings in terms of transfer fees at the time. So it's not adjusted for inflation. I will accept. Not adjusted for inflation. I will accept them not in the right order. You'll accept them not in the right order. Correct. Ooh. Fuck. Okay. Uh, I think. Let me write this down. Let me write this down. Come on, you know one of them. I mean, one of them is Pepe. One of them is Pepe. Obviously. Pepe. I, I, I want to. I want to get this in the right order. I'm going to say Pepe. Yep. Abamyang. Yep. White. Yep. Lacazette. Yep. Partey. No. Oh. Four out of five. It was Jesus. Is it Özil? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Wait, no. They they cost the same. They were both forty five million pounds. No, not according to transfer mark, mate. Not according. Who, to, how much did Partey cost? Let me let me find that out for you. But not according to. Tra- I am certain of that. Well, I'm the one who's went on transfer marked, mate. Uh, transfer marked. Right, Arsenal. Get me on transfer right now. Uh, transfer marked is so good, mate. Oh, it's got it down as fifty-two point two million euros on transfer marked, <laughs> and then Partey cost. How much did Partey cost? Fifty million euros. The theme for this week is cult heroes. And your question is this. Emmanuel Abue and Nicholas Bentner are both cult heroes for Arsenal, depending on who you ask. But who made their debut appearance for Arsenal's first team first and who left Arsenal last? 
Emmanuel Abu and Nicholas Bender Ooh. are both cult heroes for Arsenal, but who made their debut appearance for Arsenal's first team first and who left Arsenal last? And a theme, please. Scramley Braples. The theme for next week is going to be on another legendary striker for the Arsenal. Inspired by Nicholas Bentner, I have chosen the one and the only Marouane Shaman. Oh, I started writing Yo-Yo Sonogo. That's, what, that's where I thought you were going. Marouane no. Shamak. He had a dead trim. Oh my God. And um, what trim? He was basically balding. Like He did that, the, he did that <laughs> sort of no, like slick thing where you're like, you're going bald, mate. Yeah, he grew it all at the back. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I'm looking at photos of him now. His trim Palace. was dead. <laughs> oh God. Dead oh trim. God. At that point, surely have some self-respect and shave your head. Do you know what I mean? Just, just get rid of it. Or go Turkey, mate. You got the money. Yeah, I never understand. Go Turkey, you got the money. Yeah, go to Turkey. Do a Bobby. Do a big Bobby. Was it actually, was it available when he was playing? Surely it was. Probably. Yeah, probably. Just probably not as good and probably much more expensive. Yeah, probably. Yeah. How much is it to do that? Um, I have a, well, it it costs a couple of thousand depending on where you go. I had a friend who got theirs done at like a five-star place in Turkey and it cost them like three and a half thousand pounds. That's really not, that's not much at all, like considering what but, it and is. And that was, f- that was flights, accommodation, the treatment. You have to be there for a few days as well. So like you're there for like five days. Yeah. I think it was like three and a half grand. Considering what it is, we that's not cheap. It. I'm um, not saying three and a half grand is cheap. <laughs> Certainly not. Uh, but for what it is, you, like, it's pretty good. Um, I bumped into uh, I, um, the guy who ran the gym up arts the oh, other day. Oh shit, okay. Um, who who had one done and I think he mentioned he was, his was only about two does it look alright like, yeah like still is half decent for the fact that it's been probably like five years now mad mad and there's no like the thing is is there's no guarantee that um, that he kept up any of the work that he would have had to have done after yeah 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 so if he didn't yeah. do you know, do you know well, what I mean no it's, I don't think it's as expensive as people think I'm glad he looks well uh, right <laughs> Little inside joke for me and Brad there that you'll never know. Right. Uh, pleasure as always, Brad. I feel you'll like this episode know. has slightly been like dad's gone and like the kids are, have, have, yeah. <laughs> have been allowed to, to be naughty. <laughs> what should we do? Dad's out. Let's, let's, put on some, let's put on some music and spray paint the walls. I'm going to get a tattoo. Let's do it. Right. Pleasure as always, Brad. Pleasure's mine, mate. Thanks for listening. Keep it different, Knock. We'll be back for you. I'm actually going on holiday uh, to Rome on Thursday. So if you're a Patreoner, oh, there's uh, going to be a little less content, but we will be back for you on Sunday after the game in West Ham. I will be in Rome signing it up. And then I'm seeing uh, Roma versus Udinese, which I'm very excited about. Um, oh, I'm and very then jealous. we'll be back, obviously, post that for a podcast and post Arsenal Southampton for our instant reaction for patrons. And on goes the content mm. mill forever and ever amen thanks as always for listening keep it different knock and we will see you later peace thank you so much for listening to the different knock and arsenal podcast please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using if you'd like to support the different knock you can find us on patreon and buymeacoffee.com we're on all social media at diff knock thanks 
Social Podcast Network.